Welcome to the Kingdom ROI, Return on Intention Show. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavit, the Kingdom ROI Strategist. Families and businesses hire me to create, grow, and protect generational wealth by discovering that what they do in their family's living room matters more than what they do in their boardroom or advisor's conference room. On this show, I'm here to tell the stories of families and business owners who recognize that they didn't have a growth problem, they had a relationship and priority problem. We'll hear stories and the journey these families who recognize that business and financial growth weren't what mattered. They know that their relationships and priorities is what's going to determine their outcomes. So stick around to hear the hardships they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and the wisdom they wish they would have known along the way. Each story captures the blessings and the struggles of pursuing return on intention instead of return on investment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 40 minutes where we take the world's broken mindsets and systems and turn them upside down. Welcome to the Return on Intention Show. I've brought you another special guest because what you know is that in business, what I get to do is help faith-based families and business owners create lives to grow and protect generational abundance by minimizing the over 50% of destruction of wealth that happens during our lifetimes and then again after we pass away. So our guest today has lived a life with an understanding that to truly achieve abundance, it's not about the next business or financial strategy. It's about acknowledging that what we do in our living rooms matters more than what we do in any conference or boardroom. So I look forward to diving more into the story of their journey James Ibon, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Eric. It's nice to be here. Yeah. No, very exciting. Hey, why don't you do a quick introduction? Tell us who you are. Tell us about your family. Tell us really about you. I mean, we know we're getting into business a little bit and things like that, but introduce yourself, man of mystery. Man of mystery. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a son and three daughters. When I say, I, we always say I but we really say we because I didn't give birth to them. So I have to start there. <laughs> but I, I have a son and three daughters and they're in their late thirties now. Mm. And uh, for th- I'm originally from Montreal. Uh, I built an advertising agency there and reached some of the world's largest companies. It was really great. Uh, and then we moved to California. We gave our middle no- daughter the initials L.A., so we know when people said, how long have you been in California? Well, let's see how long you were. She's 35. Great. We've been here 35 years. It helps, you know. But um, yeah. And so for 13 years in Southern California, I ran one of California's leading behavioral management firms, working with a who's who of American business. Hmm. And then I discovered, and three quarters of the way through all that, that my relationship with my middle daughter, Lauren, wasn't as great as I thought. Mm. I'm supposed to be this relation guy, you know, I mean, help businesses and everything else. And it's like, I forgot about myself. I forgot about my family. Mm. And I got so focused on the business side of building the business and growing it that I, I, you know, Lauren was the quiet one. You know, my, my son, I had my son. He was great. We played baseball and all that stuff. And our oldest daughter is a type A. So she's, you know, always in your face. <laughs> you know, she was fantastic, but she is fantastic. But Lauren was the quiet one. And uh, when she was 22 years old, I heard a story about something bad that happened to her when she was young. And mm. so I, uh, you know, called her and I said, uh, I feel really bad, you know, like this happened to you when you were young. And I never, you know, I never, I suddenly realized I never got to know you. 
And her response was, I've been waiting my whole life to hear this. Really? At 22 years old. And I was like, I remember I was at a client's while I was on the phone and I'm sobbing as yeah. I'm listening to her. And they said, are you okay? Oh yeah, just talk to my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it made me realize. And so one of the things, I've been a consultant for most of my life and a, a you know head of businesses and all that stuff. And I realized that one of the things with Lauren was whenever she'd say something, I'd give her advice. Mm. I'd always give her advice because I'm used to giving advice to clients and all that stuff. And I realized that a bunch of things are happening by giving her advice. First, as I never got to know what she was really like, what was going on in her life. Because she started talking and immediately I'd be listening. Oh, I have the answer. I have the answer. I have the answer. Yeah. Instead of listening, just shut up. You know? <laughs> and uh, that was the first thing. And the second is, by being the one that was always giving her advice, I never realized, but conceptually, I'm making her think, she's stupid. You're stupid if daddy's smart, so daddy's going to tell you what to do. Mm. Instead of saying, no, you are so smart, you know, you're so wise, and I just, you know, what do you think? Or just being quiet. If she asked for advice, asking her to come up with advice. You know, it's one of the things I would do, and I train my consultants to do this. We'd say, if somebody has a problem, don't answer the problem. Instead, ask the questions, so what's the problem? What caused the problem? What do you feel? What, you know, what are, feel are possible solutions? Mm. And what do you feel is the best solution? And usually just by asking them those four questions, they'll come up with an answer. Yeah. And yet with my family, I never did that. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I go home and say, okay, ooh, let me tell you what to do. You know? right, right. And so my relationship with my daughter has become really fabulous. I mean, I, it always requires work. But, uh, you know, it's really, it's helped me a lot. And it, one of the things that happened was it changed a lot of what I do in life. So I would focus on passion because I realized I'm more passionate about my relationship with my kids than I am with the business. Side. I love the business stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really fun. But there's something about, you know, our kids that is just so profound. And I guess I'm lucky because I have a good relationship with all four of my kids. But I realized with Lauren, it's, it got me to bring out passion. So mm -hmm. I wrote a book called the Secret, called um, Ring Loop. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it's talk, it basically talks about how to use emotional selling in what we do. And it's exploded sales. I mean, I've tried it. I've got it with other companies and, and people love my book and all that stuff, which is really great. But the greatest thing for me was Lauren was passionate about it. You know, I was talking mm -hmm. and I said, hey, I sent you a copy and I've got a an audiobook and and she listened to the audiobook and she started talking to me and telling me, oh, I love this. This is stuff we've talked about at home and I know you were trying to practice it and everything. And it helped me understand the importance of passion in our lives. I remember I was doing um I was doing consulting early on in Southern California for uh electronics manufacturer. Hmm. You know, and I called his home because I was trying to get him and uh I got his wife and I said, is Alan here? It's James Bond. I don't know if you know who I am. And she said, oh, yeah, you're the one that made us rich. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to hear. Right? Yeah. When I got, when I was talking to Alan later, you know, when he came into the office, he was like all embarrassed that his wife said that. But what he said, which was really powerful, and it really stuck with me for a long time, um, was, you know, yeah, okay, you helped us financially and everything else, but one of the things you've done is you help me restructure my business. So I would take time off. I would leave early 
three days a week so I could spend time with my two boys. Mm. I have one boy who's once seven and one's nine. They're growing up without me because I'm so busy with my work. And like they do baseball and whatever else they do or T-ball or whatever. Um, and I get to be with them and connect with them and then share something that's really valuable with them. And you've helped me without even realizing it, you've helped me strengthen my relationship with my two boys. Wow. And I was like, whoa, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I didn't help you just with money, you know, right, and no, right. you helped me restructure my life so I could spend time with my kids because, you know, they're growing up and, you know, oh, I'm going to finally go, wait, I want to spend time with them and they're going to be too old. They're going to go get married or whatever else. So I have this other client really recently I worked with, I mean, a few years ago. And I was helping him go through a turnaround at a martial arts equipment company. And he was stressed. You know, when you're going through a turnaround, it's usually because you're afraid the company's going to go out of business and yep. you're going to lose everything. You're going to go bankrupt. And who knows how to make a living after that. And the employees are freaked out because, you know, they're afraid. Are we going to lose our job? Even if he doesn't share it with them, they can all tell with the body language and everything. Sure. And, uh, so one of the things I said was, well, why are you doing all this? And he said, well, I don't know, it's been a while. And I said, it's your kids. He's got two boys also. <laughs> I don't know, it's just coincidence. And I said, here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to get photographs of your two boys and I want you to put them on the wall right next to your desk. I didn't know he was going to do this. We got 16 by 20 photographs of his boys. And he filled the wall. I mean, filled it. And, when, and I talked to him, whenever he'd have a problem, you know, we'd have a problem, and I turn to the thing, I turn to the wall and point to it and say, "Ah, remember why you're doing this?" And he turned to it and go, "Yeah." And what he did, which is amazing, is uh, one of his boys was I think six years old, and he in a, in the parking lot outside, he's in a uh, room parking lot, in their parking lot outside, he set up a, a, a tent like a net, and he would have his son playing baseball, like hitting people inside the net with him. Really? And so it's, they would have, I guess, a babysitter or a friend or something would bring his son to the uh, the office. And so at the end of the day, he would have he would be playing baseball with his son out there. And that's really profound. By the way, they're, they're, one of the tools in BrainGo that I talk about is humor. Yeah, I'm terrible at humor. But <laughs> I, I experiment with jokes all the time. But when you tell somebody something funny it actually triggers oxytocin. It goes through the body and helps them feel better. It also makes them more receptive if you're trying to sell them something. Hmm. So with this company, with the martial arts equipment company, I started with a joke. And I know they were all stressed. Is the company going to go out of business and all that stuff? So I had a joke. I was with them for over a year, a little over a year. And I got tortured by this joke, by the way, for over a year. <laughs> and I, I said, um, okay, well, you know, we want to remember jokes, guys. So here we go. Uh, the maintenance man is hiding in the maintenance closet. Whenever people approach him, he'd open the door and scream, supplies! <laughs> you know, supplies, not surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I did was I'd walk down a hall during the year and I'd look inside, you know, the window of somebody's office and I'd see stress on their face. They'd just be like overwhelmed. I don't know if we didn't have product or somebody wasn't happy or supplies or was a problem or whatever else. And you could see the stress in a person's face, you know, when they're yeah. really stressed. And so I would knock on the window and open the door and I'd say, hey. And they would, every time they see me, they go, supplies. <laughs> it was like they tortured me with the punchline. Right. But what happened was their body language changed. Yeah. You know, and people can be more creative and more better at problem solving when they're happy. 
mm. or hearing a joke than when they're depressed and scared. Yeah. You know? And so what would happen, which amazed me, you know, I mean, I know this, you know, we kind of know some of the theories, but when we practice it and actually see it happening and how profound it often is, it was really, it's really amazing. And I was just, I would see like, oh, wow, I was trying to solve this problem. Oh, by the way, I think I have the answer now. And I'm like, well, just because of supplies, <laughs> you know, but it, it's profound. I remember I saw this guy who had a t-shirt that says life sucks and then you die. Mm. And I'm like, no, this is life right now. We're not saving it. I mean, yes, Heavenly Father has more plan for us. Okay. But it's so important for us to understand, you know, without, you don't want to take advantage of somebody else, but you want to have joy in your life, you know? Yeah. You know, if you can do service for somebody else, if you can help somebody's, you know, life, if you can make a difference to somebody, that makes you feel good. And and it's important for us to do that. And I really, I mean, I have a couple of friends that can probably use that t-shirt, by the way. They see everything as negative. But in general, we don't want a life sucks and then you die t-shirt. We want to recognize that life can be wonderful right now. And that's what I, I, I understood with my with my daughter. I mean, it was, she was 22 years old, but I suddenly recognized I love Lauren. I mean, I love all my kids, but I never really got to know Lauren. I would sit down with her and she'd start telling me what's going on in her life. And it was like, and I had to force myself to shut up mm. so I could listen to what's going on. I'll ask her a question, but I'll listen. Yep. And she's amazing. I mean, she is amazing. But it's just, you know, for me, I recognize with that and my other experiences, the importance of our family and our relationships as much as we can have really positive relationships and how easy it is for us to sort of skip through our life and miss the most important mm -hmm. thing. And then we, when we want to come back and finally have it, it's too late almost, you know, yeah. I think it's never too late. So I want to say that if you right. don't have a close relationship with your family, you know, you still want to go back and do that, connect it with, you know, your, uh, you know, your cousins and all that. Stuff. It's really fun. But, James, uh, let me yeah. let me ask you a question because you seem to have kind of discovered this. Any, it's so surprising to me. You were talking about the people inside the business being kind of stressed out and things like that. But the minute you could get them in a different mindset, like things got easier. It seems like we're kind of hardwired to take the hard path, as opposed to tell me about it. You're right. <laughs> why, tell me about it. Why is that? Do you have a, Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I, I think it's we're kind of trained to solve complex problems. Mm. I have a, my, one of my brothers, my youngest brother said, I was working with um, um, a pet supplement company and uh, I had an opportunity to build a website for them and all that stuff. It was the first time I made really like seven figures and all that it was really mm -hmm. exciting. Mm -hmm. But I remember I was thinking I was going to pass on this and my brother looked at me and says, why are you going to pass on this? I said, oh, it just seems so easy. It's like I, I can solve these problems with my eyes closed. And he looks at me like, so solve them, right? You know, and it's just we're so trained because we're so used to complex problems mm. that some of the things that are easier are, you know, almost pass us by. So, like, oh, that's easy. Let's let's focus on that one over there mm. without realizing, you know, that the, you know, that don't get so stuck on complex problems. Get stuck on service. If you can make a difference in somebody else's life. I mean, it's one of the greatest things. That's why I love my book, Brain Glue, because it's people yeah. are like, whoa, I changed the name of my company and uh, I changed my product name. And I can, you know, I have this lady who has um, candles. And I forget, you know, I don't want to say the name of her candle company, but she's changing the name, the, can, the name of her candle company to the Better Life Candle Company. Mm. 
you mm. know, because we recognize that there are certain smells that you can have that yeah. actually make you feel better. Sure. So instead of just saying it's jasmine or, or lavender or whatever else it is, don't focus on that. Focus on what are they going to get from this? Mm. And so she was telling me, you know, and I was asking her, are you okay with that? She said, I love that name because I want, you know, we want to make a difference in other people's lives and we want to let people know, you know, we're the better candle company. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, I work with this, I remember this um, uh, paint and coatings company, you know, and they, when I was working with them, all the employees said, yeah, paint, it's boring. <laughs> and I learned, you know, and I said, okay, and well, I'm fascinated. So like, how does paint work? So one of the guys there has patents on airplane paint. Wow. And I said, patents on airplane paint? And he was starting to explain it to me. He said, yeah, well, airplanes, the paint has to be very thin, the coating, because if it's too thick, it adds too much weight to the plane. Mm, mm. The second thing is it's got to be, um, it's got to be able to hold its color well, because remember, it goes way up there where it doesn't get protection from the sun's rays. And so the last thing you want is so you're getting on an airplane and it's all faded colors. Yeah, okay, absolutely. So it's got to retain the color. And the third thing is it goes, it has to be able to go through tremendous temperature change. Sometimes it's hot, hot, hot up there and there's the snow. And so mm. it's got to, that so as he started explaining that to me i'm like oh that's fascinating you know and we started talking and they discovered i discovered they were telling me about this that the movie uh titanic actually used our paint in southern california and they found there are certain aspects about our paint that will hold the color even if it's in salt water and it has nice textures and things like that and i was like wow so i started putting up um um posters for the movie all over the place i said we're the guys that we were in titanic you know yeah, we, yeah. we won the academy award you know right. whatever and people started laughing but they started going this is really cool we never thought of talking about our company that way and so i said to them a bunch of the sales a bunch of the tech guys and salespeople, i said so what do you guys it's called paint and coatings what's coatings and they said well that's paint is a coating it's a colored coating but it's a coating it's got different textures and stuff like that sure. i said oh that's really cool and I talked these guys into it at night before these guys would play electric guitar and they have a little group that they play together, you know. And we discovered that Gibson Guitars is in Southern California. I said, why don't we contact Gibson Guitars and uh, see if we can create coatings for their guitars? That would be really cool. Yeah. And they were like, ah, oh. you know, suddenly it went from those oh, boring paint company to, oh, we make coatings for Gibson guitars. It's right. so cool. Right. And it's just, you know, it's that whole concept of passion. Mm. If you can bring passion to your company, you know, I, mean, I love uh, Morton Salt. Mm. Morton Salt, you know, started at a time when all salt was clumpy. And so they developed this process to make it really smooth. And so they said, um, when it rains, it pours. They're trying to think of a cool name and they have a, an umbrella of a little girl, according you have to have a little girl. And it says when it rains, it pours and it has rain coming down. And they're still dominant in the, in the salt yeah. industry. Why? Because they have a cool name and a cool phrase. Right. And people don't understand it. Like, you know, you gotta have fun. I mean, you don't, everything doesn't have to have fun, but I mean, you know, when you can have fun, you know, you're, when I was young, I hated selling. I love selling today. I learned about it. You know, but I, and I hated the fact that my, I was in business with one of my brothers for a period of time. And he was a much better salesman than me. Mm. He could sell me better than I could sell me. It really pissed me off. Okay? Yeah. I love my brother dearly. My brother John. But uh, family business doesn't always mix. So we yeah. don't learn this. But I love him anyway. Don't join my business, John. <sighs> but um, yeah, I, I started to realize that the, 
um, I went to a seminar with Zig Ziglar with my wife, and he said, you know, selling is transference of passion. Mm. Nobody has to teach you how to sell. Yeah, there are techniques and stuff like that. And hopefully you'll know, get my books. You'll get yeah. some techniques that'll blow your mind. But the point is, whether you do that or not, and Zig Ziglar was right with this. He said, if you see a movie that you love, nobody has to teach you how to sell. Yeah. You know, I saw Hidden Figures. I love that movie with the black women who were mm -hmm. in charge, you know, who at NASA and all that stuff and what they went through. I mean, I love that movie. And so, nobody has to tell me how to sell it. Mm. I'm like, oh man, you got to hear this. You got to see this movie, blah, blah, blah. And you can talk to anybody. And if they are passionate about something, if they love something, it's easy to sell it. Yeah. That's why to me, it's like when you're passionate about a product you have or a service you have, it's really easy to sell it. One of the problems that happens is we tend to be logical. You know, we're trained to be logical. I mean, <laughs> a lot of people who are technical are logical people. You know, we're trained to be how to, hey, that's not working. Let's figure out how to solve this and okay. But we still have to get passionate about what we're doing. When we try to sell it, mm -hmm. we end up being very logical. Okay, let me be logical in how we describe how this product works. You know, it's it doesn't clog right. when you right. use this salt. You know, no, you got to have fun with it. Like, you know, yeah. it's when it rains, it pours. Oh, yeah. wow. When it rains, it pours. Oh, that's kind of fun. And what happens is it'll be so much fun. You could share it with your kids. Right. Einstein said, if you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you probably don't understand it well enough. <laughs> no, it's profound if you think about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, we try to be so, it was one of the hardest things for me because I try to show how educated I am with the language I use and everything else. When you get into advertising, you got to lower right. the level so that you're talking to 13-year-olds, they say in advertising, okay. Although David Ogilvy, the famous advertiser, used to say, that 13-year-old you're talking about, that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so which I thought was funny. James, would you, just, you know, I, I want to go back to fun. I want to go back to where you started because there was something unique about that. I mean, you talk to a lot of parents or a lot of situations like if you're if you've got younger kids at home, there definitely are things that you can do to be engaging and, and, and changing the relationship with them. But what did you find having to really get more engaged with your daughter? And I would imagine some other things showed up with your other kids, too. I mean, she was the one that really put the magnifying glass on it. But with older kids, especially for anybody listening in my audience who maybe has the older kids, what were some of the greatest lessons you learned that helped you navigate and begin to turn things around in your relationship with your daughter? So with our first son, I was freaked out. Our first child, I mean, yeah. not our first son, he's our only son. But, right. but uh, I was freaked out because I was thinking like, oh, how am I going to raise him? Am I going to make mistakes? What am I going to do? And they had this um, psychologist on television uh, ages ago and she said two things that were profound to me. The first one was, if you love your child, truly love your child, then everything else will be fine. Mm. And that was good. So I can relate to that. <clears throat> but the second thing she said that was really profound, really profound for me even today, helped me with my behavioral management firm, by the way, was every child needs wings and roots. Mm. Okay. They need roots. They need to have some anchors. They have to have some rules. They have to understand what to do. But they also have to have freedom mm -hmm. to do stuff on their own. And if you say, do this my way, do that my way, do this my way, <clears throat> excuse me, you're, you're, you're stopping them from what they naturally need. And then they'll actually rebel against you. Adults are the same way. We all need wings and roots. But, you know, I work with managers of companies and they say, you do it my way or I'm going to let you go. You know, it's like, that's not how you do this. You want, you have to have wings and roots. You have to have ownership in, in, helping come up with ideas for your company. 
Yeah. If you don't let them do that, they're never going to be passionate about your company. Mm. And so to me, it's the concept of wings and roots when you interact with kids, for sure. You've got to give them some free, you've got to give them freedom. Because if you don't give them freedom, then they're going to fight you even harder. Mm. But you also have to let them know there are some rules. But you can't have so many rules that there's no freedom. Sure. You know, we work with, it's it's amazing. I mean, I did a turnaround of a, a division of a Fortune 500 company. I don't want to say which. And uh, we came up with, um, so I was working with the senior managers and we had uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday that we were going to, we came up with some rough ideas what we had to do. We had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we had to come up with a real plan on how we we're going to save this part of the company. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause they were all going to lose their jobs. And so on Friday, um, one of the major clients came, Hilton Hotels, one of the major hot clients came, so they had to stop and they couldn't show up because they had to work with you know, Hilton Hotels. So then they showed up and we were Saturday, Sunday, and I said, okay, so I'm looking at this and we don't have enough time Saturday and Sunday to do everything we planned, so I'm going to change everything. And this one guy, he's an older guy, in charge of like 200 people, says, no, we came up with the plan and we have to do it that way. And I said, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm yeah. char in charge of this meeting that we're going to do. And, and, and anybody who has a problem with what I'm saying, raise your hand. And of course, he's the only one to raise his hand out of like what, nine or 10 guys and girls. And so I said, we're doing it my way. I mean, we're doing it this way so that we can get this done because it's too important. We have to solve this problem. Otherwise, you guys are all going to lose your jobs. <laughs> like a 13-year-old, he crosses his arms. He turns away from us and goes, Fine. <laughs> <laughs> every one of us looked at this guy like he's not 60 years old this guy is he 12 years old right right and it made me realize that there are a lot of things that happen to us and you know we what we are when we're young carries forward to older you know i mean mm -hmm. i know our body gets all creaky i'm old now. Mm. but uh you know but my brain is having fun you know mm. i mean it's not always having fun I mean, there are a lot of serious things but you, you know, i heard somebody my brother used to say god's a comedian playing to an audience that's afraid to laugh. Mm. You know, I mean, he gives us things. I mean, obviously he gives us very serious things, but some funny things happen too. You know, I learned with my book, I have jokes. You know, I said, this is how to prove your business and how to make more money with your product or service, whatever else you're doing. But by the way, here's a joke that also uses that. Like here's a, here's a technique, okay? So one of the techniques in the book is called um, chiasmus, which is a flipping of ideas. I'll just give you one or two ideas of uh, how chiasmus works, okay? Winners never quit. And quitters never win. Mm. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. Mm -hmm. yep. So one of my favorite ones is, uh, <laughs> older people can relate to this one. I'd rather wake up and pee than pee and wake <laughs> up. Okay. But right. what happens is, as I learned with the martial arts equipment company, you know, when people are laughing, they're more creative. Sure. And so it doesn't have, you don't have to have a funny answer or a funny name for your product, although that can help. But it helps to build the creativity in us. You know, creativity is one of those things that it isn't, you don't get overwhelmed with creativity. Once you, the more you apply it, the more, the better you get. Sure. And that's why to me, but it still has to come back to the relationships that you have, you know, passion. I have passion for my daughter, all my kids. I love my kids. We just had a vacation this summertime and we all got together because we're in different parts of the country. Mm. And it was just, I was just standing there watching like a fly on the wall, watching them interact with each other. And the two of my daughters were pushing each other off the, off this pier and into the water and laughing, 
yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I am so blessed. It's so fantastic. And it made me realize that, you know, it's moments like this that we work for. I go back to the guy with the pictures on the wall. It's moments like this that we work for. You know, I mean, life, life is not all fun and funny. It's moments of fun. Yeah. And that we want to capture those moments and we want to remind ourselves of that. And we want to share it with others. And the more we do, you know, and the more we can pass it on to our kids, yeah. you know, and our uh, other people that we interact with, the more we can pass it on to our employees. If we have employees or, you know, people at work, uh, the, the more people, you know, just you're changing the world. And in fact, here's the thing. I know two guys who are among the top attorneys in the country. Both are in the top 100. One of them is in the top 10 attorneys in the country. <laughs> and he was telling me, because I started explaining about the power of humor. And he said, well, let me tell you something. It's a secret. Okay, I'm not going to say what his name was because I don't want to get him in trouble. But he tells jokes and he makes, he says, I win more cases than most people in the country. In fact, often people will give me a case that they know they can't, can't win. And I don't win every one of them, but I do win a lot of these cases that other people can't win. And one of the secrets I have is humor. Mm. If I can get the judge and the jury to laugh, they want they kind of root, start rooting for me sure. subconsciously that they want me to be the guy that wins because they're laughing. I'm a cool guy, you know. And it's just this power of humor. You know, that's why my kids, oh, they roll their eyes and go, oh, here comes dad with another joke. I got a great joke for you, okay? I love this joke. So um, little girl comes up to her mommy and says, mommy, daddy says we came from apes, but you say we came from Adam and Eve. Honey, daddy's talking about his family. I'm talking about my family. I love that. That's a good one. <laughs> but it's just, you know, but it's, it's part of life. You know, yeah. life is wonderful. James, we're going to run out of time here soon. I, I, you've taught so you've you've shared so much wisdom. As you look back over your life, if you could go back to yourself in the twenties, maybe what's one or two lessons you'd make sure that you understood at that point? Especially, I mean, kids are coming along or just starting or things like that. Like, what what would you what would you share to yourself in your twenties? Well, the first one is I would take more time with each one of my kids separately. I did stuff with all the kids together, and I played baseball with my son. But I didn't do stuff individually with each one of my kids. That's the first one. Mm. And to me, that's really important. You know, I have a friend that told me I, you know, I do it a month and every week is for a different child. And it won't be the whole week, but at least during that week, I have to do something special with each one of the child kids. And they know that. Yeah. So to me, that was profound. Yeah. But otherwise, I wouldn't change my life. And the reason is, if I didn't go through all the hardship and the tough times, I wouldn't appreciate it as much now. Sure. What I knew, do now is I... I recognize that Heavenly Father has given me the privilege of this life. Mm. And he wants me to experience if, you know, I don't want to say life is boring. I can't say life is boring. Can you? Eric, you can't say life is boring. Not at all. I mean, for some people it is, but not for me. And it's fantastic because first you get great stories. (laughs) But you also have a great experience. If life is boring, why are we alive? Yeah. I have this great line for uh, atheists. What do you say to an atheist? Do you hope you're wrong? Do you hope life has no purpose? You're a freak right. of nature. And when you die, you turn to dust. Or do you hope there actually was something before this? Life has a purpose. Mm. And then when you die, you're going to move to the next level, hopefully yeah. with your whole family right. right, and the people you love. And to me, it's like profound because it helps us understand the purpose of this life is to live, is to have experience. Mm, so and you're good. going to have positive and you're going to have negative experience. And that's okay. But if you get oh, so overwhelmed, I heard somebody say, 
you know, it's not what happens to you, but it's how you react to what happens mm -hmm. to you that affects your life. That's good. And so for me, it's that. It's that, you know, appreciate your life. Otherwise, we have a T-shirt. Life sucks and then you die. We'll send you one, you know. Right. No, you don't want that. Life is, you know, going to have hardships in it and it's going to have wonderful times. And you're going to remember what you focus on. So focus mm. on the positive. Focus on the gratitude. You know, have a attitude journal. A journal is really great. Yeah. You know, where you just write down all the things. I surround myself with photographs of fun things. Here's something my daughter did. You can't see them just out of the way. But it's like, you know, it's fantastic things. And it makes me, it reminds me how blessed my life is. Mm. And I think the more we can do that, the more we can have a great life. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. All right. I've got a question I did not prepare you for, but it is one of my favorites. Are you ready? Sure. So in, in three generations, what do you hope your great grandchildren remember about you? <laughs> my jokes. <laughs> No, I, I to have fun. The message of appreciating life. Mm. I I hope they appreciate life and they pass it on. Yeah. I mean, that to me, that's the greatest thing. The last thing you want is people that are going. I mean, so many kids today, a lot of people, but kids are struggling with depression. You know, and part mm. of why they're struggling with depression is you know you watch the news and they throw all this negative stuff at you and everything else. And the bottom line is you're going to get negative stuff anyway. Oh, you can get mad or whatever, but get over it. Because this is life right now. This is not practice life. This is life. Mm. And when you can appreciate that Heavenly Father has given us this opportunity to experience this life, mm -hmm. and that Heavenly Father is with us every step of the way, and he, He's not going to be able to stop us from getting into a car accident or things that are going to happen. But again, how we respond to that is going to change our life. Then, you know, I mean, that's, that's what I hope they get out of this is, that's, that's you so know, good. the passion for life. Is and there, making a difference in other people's mm, lives. Definitely. Is there anything forward. that you wanted to share today that you haven't got to share so far? I'm going to give you just a little bit of space here. If there's anything you, you definitely have left off that you wanted to make sure that my audience got to hear from you. Um, well, my book, Brain Glue, I think will be really fun and really profound in many levels. Yeah. It's like blowing people's minds and it's totally unique. It talks about stuff that nobody's ever thought of before. Mm. And as they start looking at it, they go, oh, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah. You know, like uh, O.J. Simpson got off because of the phrase, if if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. Yeah. Huh? A rhyming phrase got him off. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there's, there's just so many fun things like, uh, like, you know, phrases you hear or names of products that you hear uh, that, you know, people go like, wow, I never even thought of that. Huh. I think I want to try that myself. Yeah. And it becomes lots of fun. Well, along those lines, I mean, so you've got your book, Brain Glue. If people want to get in touch with you, if people want to follow you, if they want to, you know, I guess I get your book on Amazon or anywhere else, where, where are the best ways to do that? Well, yes, brainglue.com is a great way to do it. Okay. If you go to yes, brainglue.com, it shows you all kinds of stuff about it. And it talks about me a little bit too. You know, I want to talk not that much about me, although I have a really good background. I've been blessed, but, um, but it shows you stuff that's really fun that you can start applying and have fun with. Yeah. In fact, by the way, Brain Glue, even though it's meant to help people in business or, or leaders also, because it helps lots of leaders, um, it also, I have this mom <laughs> that uses it with her kids. It's like, wow, hey, I've got this rhyming phrase that we came up with, and it's like really fun. And she gets her kids to bed on time without complaining now. It's really fun. So it's 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 really cool. Um, but yeah, brain, yes, brain glue .com. Yes, brain glue .com. What about, are you on any yeah. social media if anybody wants to follow you or keep up with you? 
um, I'm on LinkedIn. We're setting up some stuff on uh, other social media, but I'm on LinkedIn right now. So okay. yeah, awesome. I help other people with their social media. So that's fun. <laughs> I have lots of fun things I do. I'm about, I'm just going to confess I'm about halfway through the book. I'm enjoying it though. So I would highly recommend it to all my audience. Um, James, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for sharing your story um, of return on intention. It is powerful. And I hope everybody goes out and gets a copy of your book. But thank you so much, everyone, for being here for another episode of Kingdom ROI, Return on Intention. We look forward to being with you again next time. God bless you, James. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me for the Kingdom ROI Return on Intention podcast. If you're a business owner or a family who recognizes that what you're doing in your family's living room matters more than what you do in the boardroom or advisor's conference rooms, you're open to sharing the ups and downs of the journey and would like to be a guest on the show, then I'd like to invite you to apply by visiting our website, www.kingdomroi.org. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.kingdomroi.org, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Kingdom ROI Strategist, signing off. Until next time.